Hi there, this is episode 156, and today we're talking about little bits of happiness. You are listening to the Simple Families Podcast, a Q&A style show that brings you solutions for living well with family. Here's your host, Danae Barahona. Hi there, it's Danae. Thank you so much for tuning in. Today we are talking about little bits of happiness, and I have happiness experts Mark and Angel Chernoff here to chat with me today. Mark and Angel are the authors of the New York Times bestseller, Getting Back to Happy, Change Your Thoughts, Change Your Reality, and Turn Your Trials into Triumphs. And later this month, they're going to be releasing their second book, 1,000 Little Things Happy Successful People Do Differently. Before we get into my chat with Mark and Angel, we have a quick word from today's sponsor. The sponsor for today is Highlands. Earaches are one of the primary causes for doctor visits with over 30 million visits per year, and Highlands can help. If you've been diagnosed with an earache by a physician, you can try Highlands homeopathic earache drops or tablets. I actually know this firsthand. I had an ear infection a couple of years ago, and I forgot how bad they hurt. And I had some Highlands on hand for my kids, and I used it on myself. And I have to say, it took the pain down from like a nine at least to a three or four. I was super impressed. Highlands has been trusted for generations to provide safe homeopathic medicines for all members of the family. Highlands homeopathic earache drops and tablets provide natural relief to help you get back to doing what you love. So visit highlands.com, H-Y-L-A-N-D-S, to find a retailer near you. That's highlands.com backslash ear hyphen pain. These claims are based on traditional homeopathic practice, not accepted by medical evidence, not FDA evaluated, and you must read and follow the label directions before use. Back to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed last week, episode 155, when I shared the first chapter of my new book, Simple Happy Parenting. I'm excited that it is launching in just one month, and I would love if you would pre-order a copy. Simple Happy Parenting, you can find it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or anywhere books are sold. I greatly appreciate your support. Before I get into my chat with Mark and Angel, I want to bring you the listener spotlight for today. This listener spotlight comes from Sarah, and this is in the form of a podcast review. She wrote, I love listening to this podcast while I'm out for solo walks. I'm able to take some time for myself and grow as a parent at the same time. I was initially drawn to this podcast because of its focus on motherhood and minimalism, and Danae doesn't disappoint on these topics or any of the various others that she's introduced me to. I'm constantly recommending episode 101 to friends because it truly changed my approach to feeding my children. Meal windows was a life-changing concept. In addition to her knowledge and experience, Danae chooses dynamic guests to add value to the podcast. I highly recommend this podcast to all parents because it truly enriches my parenting experience. Thanks so much for these words, Sarah, and I love to hear the impact that Simple Families is having on your family. And I'm happy to hear that you enjoy the guests that we have on Simple Families. I know that I do. This is truly a dream gig, getting to talk to interesting, amazing people all the time. Which brings me back to today's episode with Mark and Angel Chernoff. Mark and Angel Chernoff are authors of a New York Times bestselling book and have been recognized by Forbes as having one of the most popular personal development blogs. Through their blog, book, course, and coaching, they've spent the past decade writing about and teaching proven strategies for finding lasting happiness, success, love, and peace. And I'm happy that they're bringing some of that wisdom to Simple Families today. I hope you enjoy this episode. If you have questions or comments, or you want to find any of the things we talk about, go to the show notes at simplefamilies.com forward slash episode 156. 
Here's our chat. Hi, Mark. Hi, Angel. Thanks so much for chatting with me today. Yes. Thanks for having us. Yeah, we're excited to be here. So I just got an early copy of your brand new book, The 1000 Little Things That Happy Successful People Do Differently, and I'm really excited about it. How are you all feeling about this new book? We're excited too. We really are. Um, I think it's a great follow-up to our first book, Getting Back to Happy. You know, Getting Back to Happy is more of a traditional book. Read it from front cover to back. This is a little bit more of a coffee table, quick inspiration book. So dive in and out as needed. Don't feel pressure to read the whole thing. Um, Take it one page at a time, which I think is important. Yeah. I completely agree with that. And that was something I was thinking about when I was writing my book as well, that I know that my audience and everyone listening here today, maybe not everyone, but a lot of the listeners listening today have a lot of books that they want to read. And it can be overwhelming to get through an entire book. So I think it always feels like a relief when you can just read a little bit, take it away, fall asleep, whatever you're going to do next and not feel like it's just one more thing for your to-do list. Exactly. You have permission to jump in and out yes. as needed, not required to go cover to cover. Which is the best way to consume some some information, right? I mean, because sometimes really, and that's what this book is, right? Sometimes even against your better judgment, you're going to feel a certain way. You're going to come up, up across one of those moments where you just need that reminder. You need to be reminded of what you already know. You need to be reminded to, okay, this is time to take a deep breath and slowly get myself back to that first step that I need to take to move forward. And that's what this book is for, right? You don't need to sit down and read for 30 minutes or, or an hour. You need maybe two or three minutes to kind of reset yourself. And that's what a thousand little things can help you do. Right. I completely agree with that. And I love that at the at the end of each of your chapters in this book, you have questions. And I think that allowing yourself some time to reflect not only on the contents, the little bits and pieces here and there, I think is really wonderful, but giving yourself some time to reflect on questions like you've posed are really important. And I actually have chosen a few of your questions that you all put in your book, and I'm going to give them back to you if that's okay today. Yeah, I love this idea. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So the first chapter you have on happiness, which is one of the things that you all talk a lot about, and I know you've inspired so many people in, and your question in the book is happiness is a blank. So I would love to hear how you all would answer that. For me, I would say happiness is acceptance. Happiness is accepting and enjoying where you're at right now with trying to change it or hold on so tight to it or resist it. Um, so I, I really, I really feel as though happiness can be in any moment. It's just appreciating what you have in the now without having to control it or change it. Yeah, it's it's letting go. I agree with that. I think it, my way of saying it would be that it's letting go of the way life should be, so that you can appreciate the life you're actually living. Um, so often we you know, subconsciously, more often than not, are resisting life, right? We, we expect people to behave a certain way, treat us a certain way. We expect a situation to have an outcome the way we want it to be, right? And when we don't get what we want, when people disappoint us, when circumstances are a little bit less than what we expected, we feel bad, right? And we internalize a lot of pain. We take a lot of those outcomes personally, even though really it's not personal, um, and by doing so, we end up missing a lot of the silver linings, right, of life. We, we end up missing the opportunities that we do have in front of us to make the best of it. So happiness really is, like Angel said, it's definitely being present and, 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 and aware of what's truly happening in your life and then letting go of the expectations of how it has to be. 
Um, it really is being where you are without wishing it were any different, right? And appreciating all those silver linings that occur without holding on too tight when they change, because of course they're going to change. And then dealing with the bumps in the road, right? The, the, the things that don't go as planned um, without fearing that well, it'll always be that way, because of course it won't. Again, everything's changing constantly. If we can get to that, I think that state of mind, um, we can find a place where happiness and definitely peace of mind is possible. Right. It can be this roller coaster. And it's not that you're happy or you're unhappy. There's a lot of gray area in there, right? No, absolutely. I mean, by no means do we feel as though you have to be happy 24 seven because that, that, that I think that's impossible. Um, so yeah, there, there's definitely a full range of emotions and yes, happiness is there and joy is there, but there's also the other emotions, frustration, anger, disappointment. And that's where the acceptance comes in, right? That's where letting go of, of the, of what has to be, you know, and appreciating what is, or at least accepting what is. Um, comes into play because, right, joy and, and, and the, this feeling of elation is not going to always be there. But what can be there is some level of peace of mind with the acceptance of the present moment, you know. And again, easy to say, much harder to do, especially when times are tough, especially when things don't go as planned, um, but completely possible with practice. Like anything, it's, it's, it takes a little bit of self-discipline, determination um, to gradually change your mindset. You know, they actually, they say it's like, what, about 66 days is what current research says it takes for a human being to form a habit or a ritual. So, I mean, you use a book like A Thousand Little Things um, or, or whatever your source of inspiration is to gradually digest, the, you know, the proper thoughts, right? Call them affirmations, call them prayers, call them whatever you want, but keeping the right thoughts top of mind for the next 66 days. And you're going to rewire your brain, right? You're going to start having some of those thoughts uh, locked and loaded when you need them most. Right. And when we're thinking about happiness in our kids, I think it can be hard to identify what that looks like because we know that kids think in black and white and their moods tend to be up and down and they have extreme shifts. And we know that kids are really happy when they're getting things like new toys and sugar <laughs> and right things that really light them up in the moment. What are your suggestions for parents who crave those moments? Because we do. I mean, who doesn't want to see those? moments of total and extreme joy and elation from our kids. But how do we differentiate those moments, like the really big, exciting, memorable ones from just kind of the everyday, regular, happy type of emotions? I mean, I don't necessarily think like, you know, getting a new, yes, getting a new toy is happy, but is it really memorable? I think, you know, uh, we have a four and a half year old son named Mac, and I think he can be happy if we're just present doing what he wants to do. So if we say, okay, what do you want to do? What toys do you want to play with? Do you want to go to the playground? Um, and we just let him take control and kind of direct what we're going to do. And then we're all in, we're not on our phone. We're we're not trying to do the dishes. We're not trying to do anything else, but we're fully present with in the moment with what he wants to do, whether it's trains or playing or just, you know, being with each other, reading a book. I think there is happiness right there. Now, is it jumping up and down like so excited? No, but there is happiness and just being present with him and in doing what he wants to do and kind of letting him direct us. Yeah, I think it's, you know, there's been a lot written recently about like this idea that you should create experiences in your life for happiness rather than buy things, right? Like if you're going to spend money, spend money on some type of experience um, to piggyback off of what Angel said, because it's memorable, right? And a new experience is memorable. 
And for, for children, I mean, especially like I, I think of my son, Mac, you know, Angel and I, what we'll do is like we'll watch like the movie Karate Kid with him. And then he'll want to like act out the scenes, you know, and he'll want to like pretend like he's in the movie. And and so we'll do that. All right. And that's completely free. Now, it takes time. It takes a lot of presence. It takes some patience for <laughs> sure. Um, but but yeah, I mean, it's like I think that's an experience, right? You are creating an experience now. Um, that he is driving, that he, he it's his imagination. We're just feeding off of it. We're letting him steer the ship, like Angel said. And we all come out of it um, with a lot of joy, right? And nothing was purchased, right? Other than, you know, maybe the, the Netflix subscription for, <laughs> for the Karate Kid. But, oh, but, right. but yeah, I mean, I love the, the idea of creating little experiences and you don't have to go someplace big. You can create them in your house. Uh, but it's it's all about leveraging what kids do best. And that is using their imagination. Yes, I couldn't agree more with that. And I think that a big part of this is about changing the way we define and seek happiness in our children. And do we need to see them screaming for joy? Or can we look for a different type of happiness, a type of happiness that includes examples like you just gave? Those are absolutely happy, joyful moments that are building a relationship that lasts a lifetime. Are they squealing for joy and sort of like living their best life at that very moment, maybe it's not so visible and maybe not so obvious, but it's the little moments that add up to the big moments, right? I completely agree. Yeah. I think it's a, it's a, it's both, right? I mean, you know, it's not that you can't buy toys for your children. And yes, there are certain purchases that are going to make them, you know, they've been wanting, they've been seeing their friends have them, yada, 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 you know, and that, and so at some point a Christmas birthday, whatever that occasion is, I mean, that's great. Um, but then I, I that doesn't replace the fact that then you need to sit down and play with them, you know, mm -hmm. and you need to engage and you need to be interested in the things that they're interested in. And I think that's the experience part. And I think that's the part that matters most. Right. So writing about happiness, do you find that you meet people and they expect you to be happy all the time? <laughs> we we do get that question, don't we? Like some okay. people, some people do have that like, oh, well, you wrote this book, Getting Back to Happy and like a thousand little things, happy, successful people do differently. And your blog is all about like, you know, thinking positive and the, the mindset it takes to step through adversity. And yes, adversity is tough, but how do you come out the other end smiling? Look at you guys. You're always smiling. Um, we do get that. I mean, I think when you write about it um, and you've lived it um, and people know, you know, a lot of people who follow our work know our journey, know that, you know, it came from a very, our work came from a very um, deep necessity for overcoming the grief uh, of two loved ones we lost um, when we were in our mid twenties. And it was also the downturn of the economy. So we were struggling financially, emotionally, and so forth. And we figured out, you know, very gradually how to step through this. And we started writing about it. And so our entire life's work now is based on this journey that came from absolute necessity, right? We were doing this thing in, in, in writing about happiness and stepping through adversity because we needed to figure out how to do it ourselves. Now, we're, we're you know, 12, 13 years beyond that point, and we've spent a lot of time with others now. And so people hear our stories, and they automatically expect that we have all the answers for happiness. But dial it back to what you and Angel were talking about a little earlier, and I mean, that is it isn't, you're, you're not always happy. Yeah. Like Angel and I are very good at managing our mindset now and focusing on the right things, but that doesn't mean that we don't struggle too, oh, yeah. right? We're, we're still human, you know, yeah. no one, no one is above this stuff. You're constantly a work in progress. So yeah, I would say, you know, we still have moments, days, um, of unhappiness and frustration and that's okay. And it, it's just, um, finding the joy in those moments and working on your mindset. 
Okay, good. I'm glad to hear that you all are still human and you still get frustrated. And I know that that's really important for a lot of my audience to hear because we are all humans and we definitely still get frustrated with our kids and with the journey in parenting. And I personally think that it's, it is important that our kids see us experience those emotions and see us process and work through those emotions. Do you feel like you have been able to model unhappy feelings for your son as well as happy feelings? Of course. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we talk about it as a family, too. Like, you know, Mark and I will have disagreements and, you know, oftentimes in in most relationships, I would assume, is most arguments or disagreements are based on miscommunication, right? And so even just recently, we had an issue where Mark and I didn't communicate. So we were on different pages. So we were telling our son something completely different, both of us. And it was all just a big miscommunication. And we were getting frustrated with each other. And so I, I had to, I explained to Mac, like talking to him about miscommunication and neither one of us are wrong, but we didn't communicate together. And it's okay to get frustrated with each other because we talk about you know how Matt gets frustrated and I took him to a like mommy and me yoga class we were doing and he they they showed us this technique where when you get frustrated you know put your thumb and your pointer finger and then your middle finger and your ring finger and your pinky and say peace begins with me and so whenever he gets frustrated I have him do that like take a deep breath and say peace begins with me and then it's hilarious because sometimes he'll repeat those words back to me and say mom peace begins with me and I'm like you're right I'm like see I get frustrated just like you get frustrated sometimes we all get frustrated we just have to learn how to deal with our emotions and and so yeah I think it is very important to you know not only let them see that side of you, but then let him be part of the conversation that has the solution right and explains what happened and how do we do better next time Yes. And my son, he's just a few months older than your son, I think. And he is so in tuned with my emotions. Mm -hmm. It's incredible. I mean, I can't even breathe differently without him being like, what's wrong? Are you okay? He just is so in tune with that. I totally agree. Just uh, just recently, I was putting him to bed at night and I was kind of trying to rush the process and like get him down and like I had other things I had to do. And he's like, mom, what's wrong? Like, why aren't you acting like yourself? And I was like, I was surprised that he could tell. And I'm like, oh, nothing's wrong. I'm like, and then, you know, I know I, I kneeled down and, and spent some more time with him. But yeah, they are very in tune with how we're feeling and, and our attitude and, and our response. Right. And I think that sometimes we don't realize that and that if we're really stressed, I've had parents say to me, you know, I've been under a lot of stress, but I don't let it impact the kids. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, well, you know, you can't prevent that. They see it. They can feel it. They are very intuitive little creatures. And I think that it's, it's impossible to hide our stress and anxieties from our kids. And I love how you talk about, you know, bringing them into it and processing it with them and letting them know that, hey, it's normal to feel these things. And it doesn't mean that there's anything a matter with me. It doesn't mean that there's anything a matter with you. And we still love each other, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, it's a constant conversation, I'd say. Yeah. Yeah, I think for the rest of their lives, for the rest of our lives as adults, even. Never above it, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. We're never above this stuff. We're all just human. Right. Yes. So I have a question from your relationships chapter. So the question is, what can you do today to be the person that others want to be around? I think 
I'll, I'll, you want me to take this one? You can go first okay. on this one. <laughs> it, it's about being kind, right? I mean, and I know we've all heard that a million times, um, but taking the extra time to be incredibly kind to, you know, and it, and it doesn't take a ton of time, right? It, it's as simple as holding the door open for the person behind you. It's as simple as complimenting your husband or wife um, or your child. It's kneeling down, like Angel said, and spending that extra, you know, three minutes so that you're not in a hurry when it's noticeable, right? And it doesn't have to be that they notice it. Just do it anyway, right? Realize that your actions do matter. Um, and the little bits of kindness that you can put into the world are going to make a difference in the people around you. It's going to make them feel differently. And it's going to reflect back on you, right? They're going to turn around and do things, uh, especially a child, right? You're setting a great example. They're going to see you behaving a certain way. And then they're going to behave that way to others. So, I mean, talk about a massive ripple effect. But it happens with adults as well. I mean, you you do something nice for somebody, especially someone close to you in your household, and that sets them on a track. It, it moves them with momentum in a, in a certain way. Um, and they're more likely to be more effective in whatever they're doing or to be nicer to somebody else because of that. Um, that's, I mean, I think that kindness goes a long way. It's something that we need to be constantly reminded of because it's easy, as we've already said here, to get busy, to feel the hustle, to feel the stress of the next thing and forget that in our haste, we, we skip kindness, right? We, we end up shortchanging that. Um, and so if we can bring a little bit more of our focus back to that and be purposeful, um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of good that can come from it. Mm-hmm. You agree? Right. And I, <laughs> yeah, I actually, when I read this question, it sort of took me back to a place in my life where I experienced something around this. So after I had my second child, I, the transition to one child came fairly easily from easily for my husband and I, everyone says that that first year of parenting is so difficult on your marriage. And I didn't feel that as profoundly as I did with our second child. And after our second child was born, we were preparing for a cross country move and I was finishing my dissertation and under so much stress. And I, and I didn't realize it until months later, probably, but I think that I was really making things miserable for my husband. Like I, my mood and the weight of the stress that I was bringing to our home was not making our home a place that he wanted to be around Mm -hmm. and reflecting back. And he was working really long hours at that point. And I'm sort of thinking to myself, I wonder if those, if the, if that was sort of an unconscious thing that was happening for him, if I was my stress and the weight that I was bringing to our home, if that actually made him a place, made a, made home a place that he didn't even really look forward to coming home to. And it took a lot of reflection around that and around the impact of, yes, I was going through this really stressful period of time. I had a lot on my plate with a baby, but my actions matter. And the way that I interact with my husband is important. And what I'm bringing to the table impacts the way that he's going to respond to me. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what's amazing about these questions at the end of each chapter. Um, They're questions that are, are there to make you think, right? There's no right or wrong answer. But it's like, let me ponder this question for a second and reflect on it. And how does this relate to my life? And what areas of opportunity can do I see? And where am I doing good? But they're great questions just to make you think and to have, you know, different perspectives, like, you know, you and Mark just had two different different um, experiences based around that question that made you think. So that, that's one of the things I love about these questions. Yeah. I mean, sometimes right. the, the best answer is asking the right question, yeah. right? Like, 
we want to we want the results we want you know what we want we want what we want um but in order to get there we have to question things we have to really sit down and reflect you know what's the right way what what makes the most sense here um why am i doing this uh and those are the questions right that that steer kind of the, the direction we go in life and i agree i agree entirely i mean it it's so wonderful when you can ask a question that stirs completely different answers yeah. in different people um, that's, that's powerful. That's perspective. Well, and even with this specific question, you know, the answer that comes to mind for you could, be, and then the next question could be, well, how are you showing up? How are, how are you representing this in your relationships? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. And I actually, when I was reading those questions, it reminded me of, I used to, we used to have this game. It was like this little cube game. I don't know if it was like table topics or something like that, like questions for discussion. My husband and I used to have these. Um, but I feel like these could, this could be something that you keep next to your bed and just have these really great conversation starters in the evenings (laughs) after everyone's home from work and winding down from for the day, you know, maybe replacing some of that time where we spend mindlessly vegging out on social media or the news or whatever it is. Um, and really, creating some thought-provoking conversations. Agreed. Yeah. No, I mean, and again, it goes back to like, you know, the idea of like affirmations or prayers or, or even just, you know, reading some inspiring quotes that you like. I mean, that kind of stuff, That the daily practice of doing that. And Angel and I typically, um, Angel's actually very good about and consistent with it, but reading things that inspire her and then journaling about it, right? Doing a little bit of writing on that. And the writing part isn't absolutely required, but again, it, it, it helps stir reflection. And so it's just kind of keeping some of these thoughts top of mind. You're investing in yourself, right? You're doing a little extra work so that when you come across one of those moments that are tough, it's a little bit easier to access the right thoughts when you've been reflecting on them, when you've been asking the right questions and so on and so forth. Right. And I think if anyone's out there listening, thinking, you know, does this make a difference? I, I There's research that shows that this type of work can actually rewire your brain and it makes a difference for a lifetime. And I am a true believer in that. I've seen so many changes in myself over the years. Yeah. yeah I mean, we are what we consistently practice, right? Mm-hmm. And I mean, we sometimes forget yeah. about that. But, but, you know, again, going back, it's like 66 days to form a habit roughly and for the for a human being anyway. And I mean, that's, that's, it's, it's a while, but it's not that long. And if you think about it, if you can focus on a couple key little things, like just bringing some of this, some of the right kind of ideas into your mind consistently, um, taking that walk, doing those couple pushups, like it's whatever those things are that, that, that make a difference to you, like kind of set you on the right track. It's not about getting to the finish line. It's about beginning and being on the journey. Um, and so uh, you know, inspiration, uh, re- like the, the right thoughts and ideas are a big part of that. I mean, you know, think better, live better, right? I mean, so uh, Angel and I, for as long as, as we've been practicing personal development and helping others, um, we are very, very active in reflecting ourselves, right? And, and reading books and um, staying up to date, not just from an educational perspective, but sometimes just from a, let me just remind myself perspective, because um, that's equally as important. Yes, completely. So I'm going to move on to your passion and growth chapter. You have a question that is, what activities make you lose track of time? I want to take this one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, definitely um, playing with Mac makes me lose track of time. Like if I'm all in and being present with him, um, doing activities, I definitely lose track of time when I'm doing that. 
Um, when, when I'm doing something like I'm passionate about, um, that I enjoy doing. So, you know, it could be working, you know, it could be doing, doing, uh, the work that we do researching. Um, I definitely lose track of time doing that. Um, or just being outside and playing, like whether it's with Mac or going on a hike. Um, I think anything where I can be, completely engulfed in i definitely lose track of time yeah i think i mean the question itself is like the answer it's like because we're all going to have a different answer to that question and what's important is to figure out what the answer is for you right i mean and i think we all have something that makes us lose track of time right something that we just get you know we get involved in because we love it because it's a part of who we are as a human being and making time every day for those things, um, even if it's just 10 or 15 minutes, right, even on the busy days, is what's important because that is, an, again, an investment in ourselves, right? We do have to, like, why are we working so hard? Why are we doing the things we, 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 we do every day, right? Why are we working the nine to five? Why are we hustling? Um, sometimes that's very ne- necessary, but it's also necessary to remember, hey, like, there are these things that I love to do. There are these little passion projects that I have. There are these people that I love. And that makes me lose track of time. And that is worth spending that time on. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I agree with a lot of Angel's answers. I think that that um, spending quality time with family um, and having like a little adventure, as we've mentioned, is, is what helps me lose track of time. Right. And so what about when you're losing track of time doing something aside from spending time with your kids? Do you think that that's selfish or that's something that you should feel bad about? Not at all. Not at all. Yeah. I mean, and this is something that I've, I've personally struggled with is that, um, you know, I, I, all of my time should be spent with him. So you have my working time, then you have the family time. And even just recently, I mean, like I said, this is something that we're, I'm constantly working on. I'm, I'm a work in progress. Um, but just recently I've started, you know, I want to do more yoga and you not just doing yoga on my computer, you know, in a bedroom when Matt goes to sleep, but I, I want to be in that space where others are doing it and enjoy it and kind of be engulfed in it. And so I've, talk to Mark and I'm like, okay, these are the days that I want to leave the house when I'm supposed to be with Mac and you can watch him and I'm going to go do this time for me and do this yoga class. I really enjoy it. And, you know, it's been great. I've really enjoyed it. And I, I, I don't feel guilty. You know, I think I thought I was going to feel guilty. And so that thought continued, kept holding me back from scheduling the class. But then once I did it, I was like, oh, this is great. I love it. And I don't need to feel guilty. And Mac is having a great time, you know, with his dad when I'm gone and they're spending quality time together. And so I think the idea, I think sometimes we feel guilty before we even do it. Like the idea of doing this, we feel guilty. Oh, we can't do it. So it holds us back. But then when we actually do it, we see no one's getting hurt. It doesn't cause harm to anyone. If anything, it's helpful and healthy for everyone involved. Um, And so, yeah, no, I don't think it's selfish at all. Yeah. And when you come back from something like that, I mean, like when Angel comes back from her yoga classes or working out, um, which she's very consistent with, right? And actually, and and I'm pretty consistent with working out as well, not yoga so much, but just doing, you know, weights and stuff. Um, we feel better and we're better parents for it. We're Mm -hmm. better husbands and wives for it. I mean, better friends for it. So yeah, you have to have, I mean, there's going to be things that do not involve your family and do not involve your business or your career. Uh, They're just personal 
needs, right? Uh, working out, I think for Angel and I is one of those. I, it's a very healthy thing to do. But yes, it takes time. It takes 30 to 45 minutes a day that you need to dedicate to yourself. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and again, you're going to be a better parent, a better human being because of it. Right. And I know for me, and I know I'm not alone in this, but I know that there is this sentiment that when you're with your kids, you want to be doing something else. And when you're away from your kids, you want to be with your kids. Have you ever experienced that? All the time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I, I mean, that. I think that's a constant thought um, that we all experience. And so, I mean, definitely the first year of Mac's life, that thought was in my mind nonstop. When I was working, I thought I should be with him. When I was with him, I thought I should be working. And so that was a huge opportunity for me to get better at, but was tough. And so um, getting present with what I was doing in the moment really helped me. So like knowing that when I'm with Mac, I'm all in. I'm not trying to do anything else. I'm not trying to check email. I'm not trying to squeeze in something here or there. Like I know now that when I'm with Mac, I'm all in with Mac. We're playing. That's what we're doing. I'm not going on the computer at all. And then when I'm working and I'm on the computer, I'm not trying to plan play dates or, you know, activities for him. And so I, I keep it very separate now. So we know on these days, uh, during these times, this is my work time. And on the other times when I'm with Mac, that's with him. So I'm trying to be fully present in those activities. But I, I think it's always, you know, a, a constant work in progress. And do I still battle those thoughts today? Absolutely. Not nearly as much as I did the first year of Max life. But yes, I, I definitely still have moments. Yeah, I'm the same way. Agreed. Yeah, I think and that's something that I feel like leads us to possibly feel like we're a little bit selfish when we're away with it from our kids, because we're still always thinking about them. I have a friend who's getting ready to have her first baby. And I was talking to her about traveling. And a lot of people think you can't travel after you have kids, which is not true at all. Um, but I what I wanted to explain, but I had a hard time articulating was, yes, you can travel after you have kids with or without the kids. But you're always it's, it's different because you're always going to have a, a little bit of them with you. And whether they're with you, you're always going to kind of want, wish they weren't. And whether they're not with you, you're always going to be feeling like that you're, that you're missing out on something when they're not with you, if that makes sense. And I think that I, that's something I've noticed in particular with travel that has changed in this, this mixed sentiment of wanting them, but at the same time, wanting a little bit of time away from them. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree. And a way we, we've put it is so we just recently, maybe within the last year, um, took some trips without Mac where he stayed here. But the idea of thinking like we're on vacation and then he's on vacation too. So it's not like we're leaving each other and we can't do vacationing together. But he, if his grandparents are watching him, he's in heaven. He He's on vacation too. And he doesn't even mind that we're gone because he's living his best life, you know, with his grandparents and they're getting that quality time. So I think it's like flipping that, that perspective where it's like you can go and enjoy your time alone. And then he's also having a blast you know, doing his thing on his vacation. So I, I, I think you, you, if you can flip it like that, that uh, it's helpful. Yeah. Yes. And th- I, I think that that is an incredible way to think about it because it's a win-win, right? If everybody's enjoying that time. And it's often a win-win when we leave our kids. Like we think it's going to be torture, but the reality is they often have a lot of fun without us, whether we like to admit it or not. Yeah. Oh, I mean, <laughs> It's funny, isn't it? That's a little bit of our ego coming into play, isn't it? Like where we think like, For sure. oh, they're not going to be okay without us. Um, and of course they are. Uh, you know, we constantly worry about our children. I mean, I mean, Angel and I love Mac 
I mean, dearly, right? And it's so, yeah, when we've done some travel in the last year, and a lot of it has been business related, right? Like it's been speaking gigs, or, um, it's been supporting the previous book. So there were like things that we had to show up for, right? And it wasn't like on some of those, Mac did actually come with us and we flew a grandparent with us and like we made a thing of it, uh, but that wasn't always possible. And so we, we dialed it back and said, you know what, like, can we set Mac up with a great environment while we're gone so that we feel great about it too? Like we know he's happy, we're happy. Um, and so of course we're still going to have those thoughts, but it's, it's realizing those thoughts are going to be there anyway. Um, we need to just become okay with them. We need to become aware of them. Um, and, and, and know that, okay, here's that thought again. Is this really true that our child is not going to be okay without us for these couple of days? Ah, no, it's not true. Right. They're in a good environment. And how do I feel when I think this thought and what else would I see and experience in this moment without this thought in my head? And so like, again, going back to some of these questions and just like flipping our perspective, even in opposite, like, you know, my son or, or daughter or my child is going to have a great time in my absence. Right. And like, let's look for some truth in that and just settle into it um, just to give us the perspective we need to let loose a little, let go and just be in the moment that we're in, which is on this trip without them for mm -hmm. just a little while. And which will ultimately make us excited to come home. Yeah. And what's even interesting is when, uh, you know, your child spends time with family without you, their time is more quality than if you're there. Because we all know our kids act different when the parents are around, you know, whether they're needy or, you know, they, they want to hang out with us or they, they want certain things from us and they're kind of avoiding the family. Um, so for me, coming to that realization that it's like if they, you know, yes, I need help sometimes with my, my my mother watching my son, but their time spent together is going to be way, way better than if I was sitting there too. Yeah. And our kids are so much more resilient than we know. Absolutely. Oh, they really are. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So last question, and I want to hear from both of you. I want to know, so the question is from your simplicity chapter and the question is the best part of waking up is, so I want to hear from you, how you wake up, what your mornings look like. <laughs> so um, I try to get up early uh, before everybody else wakes up um, for the most part, because if I can get that 10, 15 minutes before everyone gets up, then my day goes so much smoother. Um, but recently what's been happening is Mac likes to wake up around anywhere between six and six 30. And he likes to crawl into our bed for like an extra 30 minutes. And I have to tell you waking up, like having him snuggle in with us in the morning and waking up and having him laying right there, having Mark laying right there. It's just, it, I love it. Just opening my eyes and all, all three of us are in bed together. <laughs> no, it, it really, that, I mean, that is a joyous part of our morning. Now, obviously, you know, running our own business, we can be flexible about schedule. Um, but the interesting thing is that it took the mindset to embrace that and accept that as being the way it's going to be um, to make it enjoyable. And I mean, there was this like, at, at least initially when this started happening, I was thinking to myself, well, we should be up and, and moving like, right, like, like, at the day's beginning, like, we're, we're not we're not snuggling in. And the, the, the deeper I got into it, I was like, you know what, we are actually in a position where we can be flexible with this, right? And everybody has, every family has their level of flexibility. And so we made this like sacrifice and, this, and we made this agreement like that this was okay, right? Even on a Monday, right? This was okay um, for, for that short period of time. Um, and I think for me, it's like that was, that was kind of what's amazing about our mornings now is that it doesn't have to look a certain way, right? Like mm -hmm. before I was much more rigid and that there was kind of this morning ritual routine that had to happen in a certain order and it always had to be there. Um, and now I'm realizing that that ritual can change, right? And it, it can be okay. 
you just have to make those shifts when it makes sense um, and embrace embrace the opportunities that are there, right? I mean, this this period of time where him wanting to snuggle this way, we know kids kids go through fit one phase after the next. This is only going to be for a few months. <laughs> and so it's like, then there's going to be the next phase. And so embracing those phases um, and making the best of them, I think, is really what gets my morning and my day going in the right direction. And kind of like, you don't resist, you embrace, mm-hmm, yeah. and you let that kind of push you into the next thing. Yeah, I, I think that's a key word is you so often we're trying to resist or change instead of like surrendering and kind of kind of see what can unravel. Right. And I think there's so much happiness to be found when we let go of all those shoulds, you should get up, you should do this, you should do that. And those I think can really take a toll on us. Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, and it doesn't mean not be productive, right? I mean, it doesn't mean that's like, that's another part of presence and simplicity. Sometimes people get lost in that where it's like, oh, well, if I'm just sitting here in the present moment, you know, singing Kumbaya, I'm never going to get anything done. It's about getting your, your, your mind, right. And your body for that matter, into that state where you're kind of in agreement with everything around you and you're feeling at peace and then taking that peaceful present mindset into the next thing so that you can be your most effective self because that's how you're ultimately going to do it, right? If like if you're resisting, if you're thinking you need to be somewhere other than where you are, you're always going to be tripping. You're going to be tripping over the next thing and the next thing. Um, but when you can be all there and be all in it, and especially right from the get-go in the morning, it's going to put you in the mindset. It's going to set the momentum in the right direction, um, and you're going you're gonna to have a good day. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Well, thank you so much. It's been so much fun talking with you both. Yes, thank you for having us. Yeah, Danae, thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed my chat with Mark and Angel. To learn more about them, you can go to simplefamilies.com forward slash episode 156, and I'll put some links in the show notes there for you. I appreciate you tuning in and I appreciate your support of Simple Families. 